Welcome to The Well Drop, Own Your Wellness. I'm your host, Amber Berger. And I'm Dina Wismer. We are mothers, friends, wellness experts, and self-described warriors who have each experienced our own unique personal wellness journeys. We are here to help you learn how to own your wellness. Western medicine was wonderful at crisis care and helping acutely ill patients with heart attacks and pneumonia and asthma, etc. Broken bones, but not very good at the common day-to-day problems that most of us have when we're tired and we can't poop and we got a headache. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Lippman today to our show. I've heard about him, Amber, from you for years, about how he's helped you, how he's educated you, how he's helped you recover from chronic condition, and all of the different ways you've implemented his advice into your daily life. Dr. Lippman, I was you know, lucky to be introduced to him from a friend of mine at the gym and talking about the power of your community. You should always reach out to your community when you're in need. And at the time I was in my early 20s and really struggling with chronic work stress. I was exhausted. I was just fried. Wellness sometimes can feel overwhelming and daunting. I love how he really ties the mind, body, and spirit and takes a whole body approach. And that is really what wellness is. It is a whole body approach. And now even, you know, that I'm in my 40s, you know, through his books, which I've really enjoyed over COVID, about the power of, you know, time-restricted eating and how you constantly have to evolve your habits in different chapters in your life. You know, one thing works for you in your 20s, something else will work in the 30s, and something totally different in your 40s. And I think as moms leading busy lives, we have to really lean into our evolving lifestyle that's going on and kind of shift our habits according to that. And I'm very excited to hear from him what he does in his own life to help him age well, the tools that he uses on a daily basis in his own home, and what his advice is if you have limited time or energy, what's best to implement, how best to access resources for ourselves. Um, So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And it's really more simple than we think. It's actually slowing down and simplify. I think those are probably the two biggest takeaways for me. The mind-body connection just means basically if you're anxious, if you're not dealing with the stress, if you're not happy, if you're not being kind to others, if you're not being grateful, it's all going to affect your health. Now let's jump right into our conversation with Dr. Frank Littman. I am so excited today on this episode. I am honored to have my personal doctor, Dr. Frank Lippman, with us today, who has played a pivotal role for me in my wellness journey. He has taught me so much about the power of acupuncture, diet, and self-care practices. Some of the most impactful learnings I've had with him since working with him in my 20s have been gut health and the power of a reset, probiotics and your microbiome, and one of my favorite discoveries, infrared saunas. Dr. Frank Lemon, it is my honor to welcome you to the show today. Thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Nice to see you on the other side, yeah. Yes, likewise. Sadly, not in person, but on Zoom. Dr. Lippman is a pioneer and an internationally recognized expert in integrative and functional medicine. He's the founder and director of the 1111 Wellness Center and the chief medical officer of The Well in New York City. He is a New York Times bestselling author who has written six books, and one of his more recent books focusing on aging well is a must-read. I actually gifted it to my mother for Mother's Day this year. Dr. Littman, thank you for joining Dina and I today. Can you tell us a little bit about your wellness journey 
in your training from South Africa to when you came to New York City and what led you to create the 1111 Wellness Center? Well, that's a long story, but to make it brief, early on in my training in South Africa in the 70s, I qualified in 1979. I got exposed to non-traditional healers in South Africa. And I saw that what they were doing sometimes helped patients we couldn't help. I got interested in um, exploring acupuncture and alternative therapies because when I went started seeing patients, I saw the limitations of Western medicine. So I started exploring homeopathy. This is in 1980, um, 1981. And then when I emigrated to the United States in 1983 or 84, I had to do a residency training in New York to get a license. And a few weeks into my residency training in internal medicine, um, I realized I just didn't want to be a doctor in America. I didn't like the way medicine was practiced. So there happened to be an acupuncture clinic in the South Bronx next to the hospital I was working at. And I went to explore acupuncture. Long story short, um, I realized then in 1984-85 that uh, Western medicine was wonderful at crisis care and helping acutely ill patients with heart attacks and pneumonia and asthma, etc. Broken bones, but not very good at the common day-to-day -day problems that most of us have We're, when we're tired and we can't poop and we got a headache. And I noticed when I was going to the acupuncture clinic there, which was a detox clinic, that acupuncture was in Chinese medicine were, were helping those patients. So I saw early on in my career in the mid-80s that the future of medicine would be some combination of Western medicine for acute crisis care and Chinese medicine for chronic care and the day-to-day -day problems that we have. So I went on a journey exploring nutrition and acupuncture and herbal medicine and meditation and whatever early on to see what would work for my patients and uh, came across Jeffrey Bland in 1988 who um, had sort of started uh, putting the concepts of, of Chinese medicine and how to create balance and improve function with Western physiology, and it was called functional medicine in those days. And I got into that, and life went on, and I started exploring other things and seeing what works. And that's what I've been doing for the last 30 odd years. I think I it's know. such a great point that you bring up of how Western medicine is great at acute care but they're not great at sort of like the everyday stressors that our bodies might go through. You know, I actually, you know, always discuss about leaning into your community. And in my 20s, I wasn't feeling great. I was, you know, stressed out from work and exhausted. And it was thanks to a friend of mine at the gym who was a patient of yours. And she started looking amazing and feeling great. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I started seeing this doctor and doing acupuncture and learning so much about the microbiome and the gut you should go to him. And that's actually how I came to you was through a referral of a friend of mine. And you were the first person, I mean, this is almost 20 years ago now, to discuss probiotics. I never knew what that was. And discuss the microbiome. I know nowadays that's like all the rage is your microbiome, but you've been doing this for so long. And, you know, we really like delving into people who have done the work and do the work and you see it every day. A big question because we are mothers ourselves and we're now in our 40s. 
you know, what are, you know, the top three concerns that you often see of people who come into your clinic? What is a reason that somebody should use maybe a functional or an integrative doctor? You know, the first things to always look at is your lifestyle, what you're putting into your body, um, what you're putting into your mind, you know, how you're dealing with stress, how you're sleeping, how you're moving your body. I mean, those are all always the basics you look at first is, you know, what, how is your body responding to the stresses in your life? How are you eating? What are you deficient in? Do you need supplements? Are you exercising enough? Are you exercising too much? Do you have a good support system? Do you have love in your life? Um, are you happy in your relationships? So all the basic things that we tend to forget about, I think. Are you bitter? Are you um, grateful? Are you kind to yourself, to others? So those are the basic things that we tend not to think are important. And those are probably more important than all the other things that people sort of go towards. Doctor, can you elaborate a little bit on what you're alluding to, which is the mind-body connection? It's something I'm so fascinated in and how our mental and emotional state influences our physical state and vice versa. Because you're saying there's all of these things that you address when people come into your practice. If you're not addressing them, what kind of impact does that have on your body? Yeah, I mean, to me, the mind-body is the same thing. There's no difference between your mind and your, it's all one thing. And um, what goes on in your mind is going to affect your body. What happens in your body is going to affect your mind. So to me, it's just another part of the body. So the, the mind-body connection just means basically if you're anxious, if you're not dealing with the stress, if you're not happy, if you're not being kind to others, if you're not being grateful, it's all going to affect your health. And especially as we get older, especially you guys now now, you know, I'm much older than both of you, but you're getting to an age where all these things affect your life. So um, you can't ignore these what I call intangibles or what's going on in your mind or, or the emotional aspects of your health. You can't assume that they're not affecting your physical health. They're just as important to your physical health as if you're exercising every day. So I think it's just important to be aware of that. And as you get into your 40s, your body doesn't function as efficiently as it did in your 20s and 30s. So you can't get away with the same things that you could out-exercise maybe a poor diet when you're in your 20s. Or you could push yourself to, in a way, in your 20s and 30s and still function. When you get to your 40s and you've got kids and uh, your body's not functioning as well, your body's not as resilient. I and, think that's um, very true. You just can't do the same things that you used to do. So there's a reality you have to face. And it's not that it gets better. Uh, it it's gonna, <laughs> gets harder. you just got to work harder at it. So um, not that it's terrible in your 40s. But <laughs> it's, it's just harder. I agree. I think that it, you know, people you know, we've been conditioned, they always just like to medicate rather than, you know, what's, I love your approach is really a whole full body approach and that it is all connected. Yeah, and sometimes you need drugs. Sometimes you need cholesterol lowering drugs. Sometimes you need whatever it is. I'm not against drugs. I'm just for drugs being used appropriately. 
Um, but same. I think you need to use all the above. So there's a place for Western medicine. And if someone's arteries are clogged, you know, there's stents to put in, which can be helpful. If someone is um, really, you know, the blood pressure is too high and you can't manage it with lifestyle, you use drugs. So it's not, I think the important thing for people to understand, it's not an either or. It's how do we use the best of medicine and the best of lifestyle and the best of supplements and the best of biohacking, et cetera, et cetera. And you come up with, you know, your game plan. Well, I just call good medicine. Yes, I, we agree, actually. It's interesting also in terms of talking about one body um, and different ailments. I recently was learning about how sugar can really influence anxiety and ADHD in children. And we were talking about how what you put in your head obviously affects the rest of your body, but also vice versa. What you're putting into your stomach and your gut will influence your mental state as well. Um, can you speak to that a little sure. bit? So the microbiome is um, this collection of bacteria in your body, but we mainly talk about the gut microbiome. And there are more bugs in your gut than there are uh, cells in your body. And, you know, the gut is not only this, has this collection of all these bugs, but it's also called, you know, the second nervous system. So that you, you all the neurotransmitters, the brain chemicals, we know we always talk about serotonin that are made in your brain are actually made in your gut. There's more serotonin made in your gut than made in your brain. So all the, those neurotransmitters that we associate with the brain and depression and anxiety are actually made in the gut too. And there's a direct highway between the gut and the brain. So what's going on in your brain is going to affect your gut and what's going on in your gut is going to affect your brain. So this is, you know, you were talking about the mind-body connection. It's all one body. There isn't a, a real direct connection between the gut and the brain. So many people come into me with anxiety or depression and you treat the gut and the anxiety and depression get better. And that's, you know, because of this. So, Where do you stand regarding probiotics? What is your... Uh, thoughts on it and my stance has changed over the years i'm less i tend to use prebiotics more than probiotics so probiotics are theoretically great the problem is everyone's microbiome is so different and everyone's the the probiotics that will work for one person uh, for what works for dina may not work for amber or may not work for me so it's literally a crapshoot when you're using probiotics. I'm not against probiotics. It's just very difficult to pair the right probiotic with the right microbiome. Whereas prebiotics are in a way a little bit of an easier solution because the prebiotics will feed. The prebiotics are the fertilizer for the good bacteria, the probiotics. So I tend to use prebiotics more now than probiotics. Can you help us how to access prebiotics? Is it a supplement? Is it in foods? The prebiotics as a general rule are the fiber that we as humans don't digest. So when you eat vegetables or, and, and you eat the stalks and the stems of the vegetables, the stuff that we usually throw away, your body doesn't digest them. So it gets down to the bacteria, and that's actually what feeds the bacteria. So if you want to get it in food, stalks and stems are the easiest way of getting it. But you can get it in resistant starch, green bananas, 
Um, but foods basically that we do not digest, fiber that our body doesn't digest as human gets down to the bacteria and feeds those bacteria. But, you know, ideally you want to get it in food, but there are lots of supplements now where you can get prebiotic. The, you know, inulin, the resistant starch is the one I tend to use a lot. Um, but there are supplement formulas that actually have a lot of prebiotics and some have prebiotics and probiotics but i generally now use more prebiotics than probiotics for gut problems so if somebody were to be curious about acupuncture how could you utilize that as a means of a you know overall body balancing mechanism yeah i mean acupuncture is just a way of optimizing function i mean the, the whole idea of functional medicine is to optimize function. So we try to optimize functioning of the gut, of the nervous system, of the brain, whatever it is. You use nootropics, let's say, to optimize brain function. You can use prebiotics or even herbal antimicrobials to optimize gut function. Acupuncture is just a general way of optimizing function in the body. Uh, the only problem with acupuncture is you have to go to someone. You know, I'm more interested in how do you help people do something without having to go to a practitioner. But I'm a big fan of acupuncture. Obviously, I did it for 30 odd years. Um, and I think it's wonderful. But um, I just see acupuncture as a way of optimizing, in particular, the musculoskeletal system, but generally also the nervous system, the hormonal Doctor, system. Dr. You said something so interesting to me is how can we how can we do things at home where we don't have to go to practitioners? And I'm so curious, what are some of your daily rituals that you implement for your own wellness at home? So I am a big fan of, well, as we get older, I think you guys are getting to the age where it's probably good for you too. You may not be there yet, but I'm a big fan of time-restricted eating. It's like I, I usually have my first meal at 11 or 12 o'clock, and I usually finish eating by 7 o'clock. So I try to eat all my calories within a sort of an eight-hour time period. It's what we call hormetic stress. It's a good stress on the body. And that good stress on the body triggers a mechanism in the body called autophagy, which is a cleansing mechanism in the body. So as you get older, the mechanism of autophagy decreases or the functioning of, of autophagy decreases as we get older. So restricting your calories into a, a time period or fasting for or not eating for a good 14, 16 hours is actually really healthy for the body. So not only does it regulate your blood sugar, can help weight, but it's just generally a good anti-aging technique or tip. So I'm a big fan of time-restricted eating. You know, and as I've gotten older, I do more strength training. I never you know, I still hate the gym, I still hate the gym, but, you know, instead of just aerobic exercise, I do more strength training. I spend as much time as I can with my grandson. I think that's probably more healing than anything else. Spending more time with him, especially when we all living together, when he's with us, means no meditation or less meditation, but I'll take that compromise. <laughs> I try and do some meditation. I go through periods. I'm, I'm in a bad period now because I've been spending too much time with him so I haven't been meditating but I'll probably get back there um, I take my sleep very seriously 
I'm usually in bed by nine um, and I try to get a good seven hours of sleep. Do you have a um, do you have a ritual before you go to sleep? No, you just ensure no, you go to bed on at a certain time. Yeah, I don't really have. A, I mean, I'm not against rituals. I just you know try to go to bed early. Try not to eat crap. I tend to eat a low carb diet. Since I found out my genetics, I do a lot of genetic testing. I eat a low saturated fat and low carb diet. I was never against saturated fats until I found out my genetic predisposition. So I've changed my diet, but I'm not saying saturated fats are bad for everyone, but for my particular genes, they are. So I, I tend to practice what I preach for the most part. I mean, I, I, I'm not obsessive about anything. Are you a big fan of testing uh, and different tests? If you are, which would be your go-to test of somebody, like you were saying, you found? Yeah, I do a lot of tests. Yeah, I do a lot of testing. I, I do a genetic test on everyone to pick up people's predispositions. And then I do a lot of bloods. I do extensive lipids, you know, apple lipoprotein, B lipoprotein, A lipoprotein. The regular cholesterol lipid panel is a waste of time. So we dig much deeper. I do inflammatory markers. I do nutrient levels. So yes, I do extensive blood testing. I do the genetic testing. And now I'm getting into sort of uh, wearables. You know, I wear a continuous blood glucose monitor sometimes. I wear a sleep ring. So... You know, when you combine all of that together, you get a, lot, a really good idea where people's health is and what they can do about it. So that's sort of since I've known you, I haven't seen you for years. That's the direction I've gone in the last couple of years. So yeah, I think through testing. the testing, because we used to do a lot of blood labs together and um you know, you definitely taught me how to like take control of your body and to know your body through testing. How often would you recommend that somebody runs detailed lab work? Once a year, twice a year? Yeah, it depends what the problem is. So um, it depends what we pick up, but at least once a year. And if you pick up a problem, you know, if, if someone's um, apple upper protein B is very high, maybe earlier. If someone's vitamin D or nutrients are low, maybe maybe earlier. If someone's apolipoprotein B is high, then we tend to go further in cardiac testing. There's now a clearly test that you can do. If someone has predisposition to cancer, there's now a blood test, a gallery test you can do. There's now a scan, Prenuvo scan. I think that's in Miami too. Yes, I've been wanting um, to try that. Have you done that? I have not done. I mean, I've been there and I've uh, spoken to them but I, and i have a thing to go that i haven't done it myself yet i'll do it sometime that was my anniversary haven't. present to my husband <laughs> um, very romantic they're all interesting tests if they're used in a targeted way so i'm all for you know picking things up early and and, and addressing things early yeah so yeah i'm not i'm all for appropriate testing. Doctor, I have to share with you, just last night, my 11-year-old son, one of his best friends asked me, you know, why why does Charlie have to go to bed so early? And this was not so early. This was 9, 9.30 at night. So now the next time the child asks me, I'm going to say, well, the doctor, the doctor said so. It's important. <laughs> Sleep is no, the best. I, 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 you know, you were saying how you prioritize that. It's a, a for, you know, it's an affirmation for me in terms of I've always valued it and how important it is. Yeah, in kids, it's difficult. You know, the, my whole attitude is, you know, I'm now almost 69. If I would have started a lot of things that I do now earlier, it would have been better. I mean, you, you start when you start, but the earlier you start these things, the earlier you pick up these things, 
the easier it is. Um, you know, you're going to have to make the changes sometime. Um, the earlier, the better. And the earlier you test and you pick these things up, the better, which is what's happening now. Your generation is doing it much earlier. You know, we used to wait until not necessarily too late, but it's just harder. So the, it's good to start picking things up in your 30s and 40s. Yeah, I would say my question to you is at what age would you, you discuss that you do time-restricted eating? And Dina and I are sort of exploring this, you know, because I know your body becomes more insulin resistant as it gets older. Is that something to yeah. do in your 30s, mid-30s, 40s? Uh, for women, no. For women, when you're still having babies, I don't think it's necessarily the right thing to do. Once you've had your babies and you're in your mid-40s and you're sort of tending, going towards perimenopause, that's probably a good idea to start. I don't know if I, as a woman I would do it before I was 40 odd. I mean, you can, but it may affect your hormones in a way that, you know, there's still ways of doing it. But as a general rule, men usually not a problem when they're young. A woman, I tend to start recommending it mid-40s-ish. I think that's fair. I think sometimes also, you know, while time-restricted eating can be a good thing, you know, doing it too soon is, you know, can also not be yeah, so good. Might, yeah, can be a problem, yes, if it's done, not done properly. So, yeah, I, generally for women, I wouldn't think about it until you're probably in your mid-40s, unless you've got problems with insulin resistance and pre-diabetes, maybe then, yeah, but otherwise When not. I remember when I was nursing my children... I was hungry all the time. I couldn't imagine yeah, fasting. Yeah. yeah. And then you should eat. Yeah. yeah. You need to feed yourself and the kids. So, yeah, absolutely. It's not, this is a thing. All these biohacks that are out there need to be done intelligently and appropriately. It's not one size fits all. So, so considering that aging is top of mind, especially for Dina and I, and your book about aging well, it being within our control, what are some, if somebody were to pick, you know, one thing to start with? Because I think the term wellness becomes overwhelming for people. They just say, I don't know, even know where to begin. But really, the answer is just start somewhere. What would you recommend to somebody as a first step for them to start to try to take control of their aging? What would be an approachable way for them to begin? Eat less and eat less sugar. Sugar. Sugar and carbs. Yes, sugar is a tough one for me. Same. <laughs> and carbs. Yeah. For, for all yeah. of us, but that's the level. That's probably where I would start. If I had to choose one thing and then ramp up your exercise. If you're, if you're exercising a lot, then don't worry about it. But if you're not, then I would ramp up the exercise. Yeah, it's interesting. Also, you mentioned that you've gotten more into strength training. I actually strength trained this morning and I do not love it. it. I forced myself to do it and I'm starting now that I'm in my 40s to make myself actually do it, you know, if not once. Yeah, because you start week. losing muscle mass when you're in your 40s and, you know, especially as a woman for osteoporosis because it's going to affect that to you. It's important. I think once you get into your 40s, strength training becomes more and more important. I've started as well. I actually really enjoy it. And I never did it when I'm in my 30s. Um, but it, it's a beautiful thing to feel strong. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. I used to hate it. I resisted it for so long. Now I actually like the way it makes me feel. I'm still lazy, but I, start, <laughs> I do like it. Yeah. You discuss some free wellness hacks that you engage in. Can you tell us a few things that you like to do, 
like getting sun first thing in the morning that people at home can do to try to spark their wellness routines? Well, I mean, getting sun in the mornings is a good habit. It's a, it's the same. It's all about rhythm and sleep. Sleep is a body rhythm. So if you can get your body into a rhythm of day and night, because basically sleep is sleep and awake is day and night and you need darkness to sleep properly and you need light to be awake. So one of the easiest things to do is do the first thing in the morning, get some bright light. We live in a very packaged society where a lot of times people eat their food and it comes out of a package. What is your philosophy on food and what is a way that somebody should direct their attention? My philosophy on food is not to be obsessive, but to be smart and to basically most of your food should actually not come from packets or have labels if possible i mean every you know you've got to be realistic ideally eat foods that don't have labels so you know i'm all about eating meat fish chicken i'm not against animal protein and vegetables and some fruits and you know it's not that i don't have packaged foods but as little as possible so my philosophy is don't make an issue of it um, try eat as low sugar as possible, but eat as close as to nature as possible. But, but that doesn't mean having a lot of fruit juice, although that's natural. I would rather have, not that I'm a major, major meat eater, but I eat meat, I'd rather have a steak, those vegan meats or whatever, vegan. Yeah, are processed, uh, as basically. As little processed foods as possible. And listen, I love croissants. I'll go with my grandson for croissants and I love crap too. And I use it, you know, when I have it, but I try eat as little as possible. You've been in the wellness, you know, game for a long time. What excites you today about the future of wellness? Um, well, there are lots of exciting things happening. I mean, the wearables and, and integrating all of this into wellness, I think is exciting. Um, there's always new things that I'm interested in. You know, I'm getting a hyperbaric oxygen chamber in my office. I think that's interesting. All these nootropics, all these peptides, I mean, everything, the peptides that are interesting, I don't know too much about it. So, yeah, I'm always exploring and seeing what can help myself and, and you know, the people that I work with. But... Um, I think we're entering a really interesting phase in medicine where we're able to you know, measure and monitor people in a way we could never before. Um, and there are more and more um, substances, for lack of another term, that can be helpful. So um, I think we're getting into an interesting phase where we can measure things, um, you know, from where there's that pre-nuvo test where you can pick up cancers early, the clearly test which picks up heart plaque early. Um, there's a, we can now measure and uh, monitor in a way we could never before. And at the same time, there are more and more um, medications or non-pharmaceutical treatments that are helpful. So I think it's just the whole time in medicine is very interesting. And it sounds to me, doctor, from what you're saying, and I hope this is true, that we're focusing more on preventing illness and living well than treating acute illness. 
uh, after the yeah, fact. You know, medicine can really be preventive now. It can be personalized, you know, because everyone is different. So you can really personalize treatments in a way we could never before, especially with the genetic testing and all the other testing we have. And absolutely, because of that, you can prevent a lot of disease and disease, a lot of the problems that we had no treatment for, we, we can now prevent most of them. So yeah, it's very exciting. Yes, I always say you are your own best science experiment. Yeah. I think that you know collecting the data through testing is a great way to really learn about your body and that it's never too early to start. You know, I think it's great exactly. to start in your 20s to know your baseline maybe for hormones so that in your 40s you have a sense, do it 20s, 30s, 40s, to know is my estrogen higher or lower? Like what is my baseline, right? Create the baseline, I guess, through yeah. the testing. And there's so much out there now and it is an exciting time. Like you said, there's so much available today than there was back in the day to be able to catch something sooner than, you know, waiting down the road and having a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I've just seen how it's evolved. And I think we had a very, very exciting time. Same as in the 80s, I saw the future of medicine was combining, you know, Eastern and Western medicine, which evolved so much over the last 30, 40 years, now we're at a time where you can really personalize treatments and prevent most diseases. But as you say, you need to, the earlier you start, the better. It's never too late, but the earlier you start, the better. I'm going to tell my 14-year-old well, that. About so that <laughs> right, I guess it's never too late also. Yeah. I think some people feel like, oh, I have never done it. Like, what? why even bother? But I like that you say it is never too late to start and to feel great and to age well and you want to feel good doing it, right? We're all going to exactly. get older. So it's a matter of how are you going to approach that? Um, thank you so much, Dr. Lemon, for being with us on this episode today of The Well Drop, Own Your Wellness. Your insights make wellness feel really approachable, and I advise anyone to check out his books. Um, they're a really easy read and give you a great foundation on how to make yourself feel your best. Okay. Thanks, God. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank Dr. you so much. Thank so you. good to see you, Dr. Lippman. Nice to meet Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Well Drop, Own Your Wellness. Please subscribe to The Well Drop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Share with a friend who we can help too. Follow us on social media at The Well Drop.